following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Strap in, movie fans. We're about to take you 30 years into the past to explore the biggest blockbuster hits of the 1990s. I'm Pete. And I'm Michael. And And this this is is Box Box Office Office 30. 30. Welcome to Box Office 30 for January 1992. I'm Pete, and as usual, I'm joined by my good buddy and co-host, Michael. How are you, sir? I'm well, thank you. You seemed a little bit uncertain about what year we were in. Well, you know what it is? I, I As per usual, I sit and do a bunch of notes ahead of time to make sure I've got everything down here, but I had... Changed everything on the sheet except for the very top said 1991 again. So I was like, <laughs> let me just be very clear. This is 92 we're into now. 2022 and 1992. I did have to write down the dates with 2022 in it the other day. 2022. I said that right. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I was like, all right, good. I'm off to a good start because I usually spend the first month or two of the year Still signing things with you know previous years <laughs> day oh, before God. it gets fixed in my brain. So oh man, I did that several times in the past few weeks for sure. Yes. <laughs> so, so how are you on this bitter cold January day? Uh, you know what? I can't complain. It's not too bad here yet. I know that we're in for like a real cold streak. I was like reading about it earlier, like cold front coming down from Canada. It's always Canada. It's always this front from Canada. Those Canucks. Canadians sending stuff down at us here. um, Speaking of Canadians, though, 
Pete and I did go to a Ranger game last hey. week versus the Edmonton Oilers. We did see some a lot of Canadians on the rink. Yes. <laughs> yes, no, good time to be had. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I think we mentioned a while back uh, when you kind of surprised me with the, the Rangers tickets. And it's been a long, long time since I've been there. And I think you said you had never been. I'd uh, never been to a Rangers, Rangers game. game. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was good. And, and we um, – we, Went up and checked out the Sky Bridge and ended up sitting up there for the game. So that was pretty cool. So, um, yeah, no, a lot of fun. <laughs> and, and we got out without getting COVID. <laughs> yes. But anyway, really good game. Uh, Rangers won. Um, very exciting match. Um, and I, I was happy for that because I've been to a lot of lemon Ranger games. So it was, <laughs> it was a yeah, good no, one. <laughs> it was definitely a good one. It was a lot of fun. And it was, you know, they, they were winning way into the second period but by the end they were just like blowing them out but it's just kind of like score more goals cool great yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean uh i i probably haven't been keeping up with hockey as well as i should over this past number of years but i mean edmonton used to be a decent team you know particularly like way back in the days of gretzky and things like that like a lot of good players came out of that team but wasn't feeling them <laughs> the other day so no Sorry, Canada, <laughs> but they're getting back at us. They're going to send this like nine degree weather. So that's yes. fun. <laughs> yes. Well, um, you know, I, we have uh, some stuff to talk about here. As with some of the past Januaries, we kind of have like a little bit of a lackadaisical box office, but I figured we'd, you know, get into a few leftover things from last year uh, and, when we left off last time, <laughs> Pete was still going to go see Spider-Man No Way Home. And I, I am going to hold up that that is still my my number one for the year, even with that little asterisk that I saw it the first day in <laughs> 2022. Um, but we're going to get more into that. The first thing I wanted to touch on is actually the success uh, at the box office of Spider-Man No Way Home. Mm-hmm. Um, it took me, like I said, a minute to get to it and see it, but... I've been seeing a bunch of different articles over the past weeks of, of how much um, it's been doing in its box office run. And it's actually surprisingly successful for the amount of COVID that's going around at yeah, the moment. Seriously. <laughs> um, and I, I'm not even convinced that maybe, just maybe, Spider-Man might be a little bit you know, uh, responsible for some, some, uh, (laughs) upticks, some some outbreaks, because, uh, you know, let me start at the start. Um, basically, uh, when it popped into, um, theaters, it had a huge, uh, opening weekend, uh, to the tune of actually the third biggest opening weekend ever, not counting inflation, Mm. um, which only puts it actually behind the two Avengers movies. Um, So that's already um, pretty darn impressive. Uh, And then uh, it has gone on. And as of uh, this particular um, Screen Crush article, which was published on January 9th, um, they had it logged at a domestic box office total of six hundred and sixty eight point seven million, which sets it at the sixth highest total in film history. Again, not counting uh, inflation. So the, the kind of the point they were making is that it has surpassed Titanic on the list, uh, which I think has become kind of the um, longstanding uh, sort of line you need to cross to be in that like really top tier, truly yeah. uh, successful zone. So just uh, out of 
the, you know, for the point of having mentioned it, uh, the, the kind of top uh, seven, uh, with the seventh being Titanic, number six is now Spider-Man No Way Home, number five, Avengers Infinity War, number four, Black Panther, number three, Avatar, number two, Avengers Endgame, and number one, Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. So, really, uh, it's up there. Yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah. I thought, I thought Endgame and Av- oh no, Avatar is the top grossing, and then Endgame is the second top. Grossing. Well, so again, yeah, especially if you. Well, I mean, this is lifetime gross, not including inflation. So again, mm. Avatar, if you tack on uh, inflation, um, is probably you know the top. And again, this is also domestic. Hmm. Um, so okay. if you add in worldwide, I'm sure Avatar is probably still the top. Let me yeah. let me see. Let's because <laughs> all it takes is one click. Yes. Yeah, so all time worldwide, Avatar is number one. Um, but by that same note, uh, worldwide, Spider-Man No Way Home is number eight. So still still doing pretty pretty big deals. So um, in er- early in its run during a pandemic. Yeah, so we no are four and change weeks in at this point and during the middle of yeah, like a huge spike in covid. So yeah. um you know, good for them. Uh you know, it, it really came out and and has done some big numbers and I would think in part this is some evidence that some more theaters are back at, you know, kind of more regular sort of open levels. Um, you know, for me, when I went and saw the the movie, and actually we saw two movies um, uh, over basically the um, New Year's weekend. We saw um, Sing 2 with the kids on Friday, and then we, uh, Ange and I went and saw this on Saturday. Uh, and both times what was interesting is that at our local theater where we saw it, um, if you went into like the AMC app and looked, or if you got there to the box office and looked up on the panel at the, sh- you know, approaching the showtime, it said sold out. And in the mm-hmm. seating map, it showed all seats for the most part taken, maybe a few in the front row sort of left open. Wow. But when you got into the actual theater both times, it was maybe only at like one third capacity. So I was curious if this is, you know, I know that like in New York City for a while when they were talking about, you know, reopening AMCs there, that they were only going to limit it to um, half capacity. So I don't know if that's the same number here, if they're going for like half or a third or or whatever. But it seems like they let the theater just be essentially wide open. Uh, Like when I bought my Spider-Man tickets, we were the like second set of seats purchased in the entire place. There was only one other pair of seats purchased when I bought ours. And then um, it must just be that when they hit 50%, they just block out the rest of the the available seats and call it sold out. It's possible. Yeah. So I thought that was an interesting uh, thing because it, 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 like it was like a anomaly the first time, but then the second time, same thing happened. So I'm, I guess that's how they are handling essentially that they just treat the show as sold out once they hit mm-hmm. a certain number. So I just thought that was kind of interesting. So uh, with Spider-Man No Way Home in mind, and I know we were really clamping down on on uh, not saying Spoilers. too much last time because I hadn't been yet. Um, and I know there's a lot of people that still haven't seen it, but I'm going to do what I did last time. Uh, for those that listened to it, not you, uh, <laughs> I actually went and recorded a little extra bit that I put in right here. <laughs> said, all right, we spent 20 minutes talking about this, so skip ahead 20 minutes. So I'm going to do the same thing right here, 
And now we can talk spoilery. So if you don't want to have um, spoilers, skip ahead X number of minutes, which I will come back from the future and let you know here. <laughs> so. <laughs> Hey friends, it's your friendly neighborhood Pete from the future here to tell you how far to skip ahead. So, we went on another deep dive on Spider-Man No Way Home, among a few other Marvel-related topics. So if you want to skip all that time, you're going to want to jump about 30 minutes ahead of where we are at now. And I also want to point out, Michael corrects me several times in this next segment about Spider-Man One More Day versus Brand New Day. And I was right. <laughs> this story arc where uh, he actually does change time and, and deals with some stuff with Doctor Strange and everything is Spider-Man One More Day. Brand New Day is the fallout of that comic series. So, eat that, Michael. Alright. Enjoy. Jump 30 minutes ahead. Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, you know, you saw it first. Let me, I don't tell me what what was your your kind of uh, thoughts on it in a more deep okay. sense. <laughs> so, as I mentioned, it is now my second favorite MCU movie, close behind Winter Soldier. I think Winter Soldier is the best one because it can be an action movie without being a Marvel movie. Uh, that being said, this film had absolutely everything you could ask for as a fan of not only Spider-Man of just like movies and comic books and sci-fi and adventures. Like they just said, let's throw the rule book out. Let's just <laughs> throw everything at him. Who cares? Um, the way that they revealed the villains was so terrific. Um, one of my favorite things and I, I don't know if we want to go bullet by bullet or whatever but like in the trailer and in the commercials you saw a lot of times dr octopus had like a, a red and gold on his uh octopus tentacles or octopus arms and people were like oh great he's he's robbing iron man blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and people were all up in arms about it but the way they did it as if he touched the nanotech suit and it absorbed onto the arms and then Peter could actually manipulate it was like, bah! well, it was, it was such like a funny, like back and forth sort of moment because it was sort of subverting your expectations. It's almost like, Oh, nanotechnology. And it's like, Oh dang, he's stealing Peter's suit away from him. Like what the heck? But then it like flipped in that like pure like Iron Man way, which I think always happens to Iron Man somehow too, which is that his technology like somehow does something that even he didn't expect. So same thing kind of here, like, you know, like Peter wasn't expecting that it was like, oh, well, like it's just going to like steal that technology. It's like new accessory acquired or something yeah. like that, which was pretty darn funny. So the other thing that I was really glad about was the fact that even villains that I did not care about in their original movies, a la Sandman or the Lizard, I did care more about Electro, but the way that they gave him more of an arc in this story yes. and kind of 
you actually genuinely cared for them. Well, so let me hop in here and just give like the initial impression that I had on this because this is definitely in vain of what I'm thinking. So I got done with the movie and I'm like, as usually with like a movie, I'm trying to like think about it after the fact. And I was funny enough just because of timing coming back to the conversation you and I were having just, you know, on the podcast previous to having gone and seen it. And what was funny is we were talking a lot about Matrix, Ghostbusters, Force Mm. Awakens. These are all this trend in the past few years of taking an older property or, or at least pieces of ideas from older things and then kind of trying to like, you know, roll with it and do something new with it and get like a and good give it new life out of it. Yeah. And I feel like in each of them, they either succeeded or failed to more or less degrees, which obviously we've covered in depth now. This movie for me succeeded in so, so many ways in that vein of like, yeah, we're going to take existing IP but we're going to like roll with it. We're going to play some new jokes on it. We're going to repeat some of it and we're going to do, but this did it in such a charming and beautiful way. And what I was going to add to what you're saying and the sentiment that you're bringing in is they, you know, like I'll, I'll put this in an even more perfect antidote Uh, because I want to show this movie to Zoe when it does forever from now, make its way to VOD because by the way, this movie has an awful, VOD contract because thanks Sony Sony's <laughs> connected with stars and essentially any new movie that they're attached to that they produce stars has exclusive rights to stream for 12 months. What? So we will not see no way home on Disney plus until at least probably late 2023, if not later. Oh, you'll just buy the Blu-ray then. I'll just Basically, buy the Blu-ray. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so or buy it on iTunes. Yeah. And the thing I realized, and you know this about me, that I have all but stopped buying movies in the past few years. It turns out I'll buy. I bought all the Spider-Man movies. <laughs> I kind of like oh, didn't realize it, so I have funny. to add it to the ongoing, um, you know, collection. But um, which is maybe not terribly surprising, but. What I was going to say is I was showing Zoe the first um, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie mm-hmm. and I want to get through some of the other ones with her because she really enjoys all these movies. So I'm like, I want to yeah. you know, show her that. And funny enough, I think her and I had started watching this once before and we just didn't finish it. So it was good to finish it out. But, you know, she was sort of asked. And actually, I, I say that we finished that and then we started the second, which is probably my favorite of the Toby movies. It's, it's the best of all of them. Yeah. Other it, than this. It, it's the uh, Empire Strikes Back to the Star Wars thing. It's yeah. like the uh, the Empire Strikes Back of the uh, of the Toby movies. Um, but uh, she was asking me, she's like, she's like, so Green Goblin was a good guy. But then that green stuff kind of made him bad. And I was like, Exactly. And she's like, and then Dr. Octopus's arms made him turn bad. And I'm like, yes. I was like, I was like, that's kind of the sad thing about a lot of Spider-Man's villains is that they're actually kind of misunderstood. They kind of start off as good people and something goes wrong and it turns them into a bad person. Um, And really that kind of follows suit for the way they've even done the more recent films with maybe even, you know, like the exception of Mysterio who, you know, just kind of got shafted and went bad, you know, but really, I guess, you know, it somewhat started off good. Um, But all of these characters, and it was really making me think about it, have that arc. Every one of them that they end up facing off against in this need that redemption. And like in some cases, 
needed their character to be treated better than it was. And I'm looking at you, Electro. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I think that they handled that character so strangely in the Andrew Garfield movies. And I think there was some other, you know, like just kind of weird choices. Um, But they, they did so well by them in this. I I have to say this, and, and, and this is just my opinion. Uh, I have two thoughts that I want to share. One, None of them are the actual villain of the movie. Doctor Strange is really the villain of the movie, in my opinion, because he could have simply said, no, Peter, I'm not going to do this spell for you. And he (laughs) does it. And he's kind of mean the entire film. And I feel like he's really the antagonist of the movie. But you could also say that Tom Holland's Peter Parker is also sort of the villain. Like, he's the hero and the villain at the same time, which, you know, film school will say you can't be the hero and the villain, but that's, I disagree with that. (laughs) Um, And on top of that, my biggest takeaway from this movie was this movie absolutely 100% redeemed Andrew Garfield and made everyone love him. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, he's having a, a minute right now. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, um, he has another movie out that that I think uh, he's actually seeing some um, possibilities of some awards for it based on uh, his yeah, acting in that. But I mean, here's the funny thing for me. And I, I think each of these three Spider-Men have brought something unique to the character. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that, that are like, this one's the best, this one's the best. And people have their different opinions on that. I can't really say any one of the three is the best. They're all sort of great at what they do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is like Andrew Garfield had down that real kind of like snide, like really quipping at bad guys, you know, sort of Spider-Man. Uh, Toby had like the really like, nerdy kind of like, you know, the, the really good origin story kind of Peter Parker, like where yeah. he really comes from. And then um, Tom is the genius, the scientist. Tom, well, yeah, I mean, Tom has got that going for him, but I think Tom more so than even the other two brings like the youthful levity needing to learn. Well, levity for sure, which is also like a really important part of the character, but like, like he more so embodies that like, He's a young, like 16-ish year old, you know, plus now character that like has been thrust into a world that's over his head and has yeah. to kind of like learn his way through it. And I think he brings in a lot of really good physicality um, just because he's able to do a lot of the flips and different things like that, like on his own and, and has yeah. been able to before um, he started. And I think he brings a lot of heart to the character that yeah. might have been missing in some ways in the other two. Like, um, like, but seeing like, all three of them together and like just each, like even just dumb little redeeming things like Andrew Garfield making the dive that saves the girl. Yeah. And, and, and Toby's joking about his back, you know? And like, like there's just like little things like that that are like so perfect. And it's just like, I, they like, I don't hundred percent know who wrote this and it's bad on me that I didn't look it up before this. But they're geniuses. Oh, my oh, God. It geniuses. Was, it was so, so well done. Like, <laughs> But what is interesting, to, to speak further to your thoughts, and, and I want to actually touch on the trailer when I say this. First of all, I think they did an awesome job now looking back at the trailer with this because it's 
full of misdirection. It has clues of where it's going, but it's also full of misdirection. And the funny part is I remember some people online like pointing out like if you look at that like one scene where Spider-Man is swinging towards – Sandman, the lizard. Oh, the, they, they, they they like memed it a lot on the internet where you see lizard's face gets kind of punched and well, it's like, how well, does that happen? Well, that, <laughs> but they're all kind of like not jumping at him. They're kind of jumping in. So like clearly they just didn't put in the other two CG Spider-Man, you know, but there's a lot of misdirection in that. You know, they even had some misdirection with Doctor Strange and Wong, which is like in the trailer – Wong is like, do not do this. Like, do not do this. And then, like, in the movie, he's like, all right, whatever. Just leave me out of it, you know, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you get more insight into why Doctor Strange is slightly acting the way that he is, which is like, he's like, oh, well, on a technicality, I'm not the Sorcerer Supreme. I basically have to follow whatever Wong says, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think he's kind of, like, acting out because of that, kind of how he was in – the initial Doctor Strange movie. Mm-hmm. But I think you're right. I think he's being really irresponsible. I think it's really interesting. And I, you know, this is always like the question in these, you know, any superhero movie where you've introduced an extended universe to it, which is like, you know, they make like this great point where he says like, oh, well, you know, like I was a member of the Avengers and they're like, oh, awesome. What's, What's that? that? You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> but like, you know, like in that scenario where like conceivably like, Oh my God, there's this massive battle going on at this Statue of Liberty with Captain America's shield on it. Maybe Thor shows up or, you right. know, like whoever, you know, like to help out. But like they don't in these scenarios. And so, like, when you have someone like Doctor Strange, you know, it's funny. Like, he's sort of like, he kind of throws him under the bus. Like you said, he kind of like is like, all right, yeah, I'll do this thing for you. But then as soon as he starts saying things, he's like, all right, yeah, I'll fix, I'll change that. Yeah, I'll change that. But then he's like blaming it. On 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 Peter, Peter. like, you know, like, well, you messed this spell up. And he's like, he doesn't know anything about spells. So, yeah, he – it is interesting how he was acting that way, in particular when he's, like, you know, mouthing off about how dangerous the multiverse is and how little we know about it. So I would say it's a slight mischaracterization for the Doctor Strange that we know at the end of Doctor Strange and the end of Infinity War and, and an end of Endgame, yeah. Um, and I know you had kind of an interesting theory, which also ties into this movie. And if any of you are comic book fans out there or budding comic book fans, you know, you were kind of pointing out that there's some like similarities between um, this story, or at least what we thought the story might be with One More Day. Brand new um, day. Brand new day. Um, which is like, you know, an interesting arc where like essentially – Mephisto, um, which is like Marvel's the devil, of the devil. Yeah. you know, like, you know, Peter goes to Dr. Strange and he's like, you know, my identity is out there. I want one more day with Mary Jane and things like that. And, and so it, it, you know, he finds out there that what you wish for is not exactly what you might want in the end too. Now they ultimately didn't seem at least in this film to do the Mephisto thing, yeah, but it, we still have Multiverse of Madness coming up with Scarlet Witch. There's been a lot of possible winks at, at some stuff like that there. So I don't know. I'm really curious where this goes from here. And obviously it's a big tie-in now from Doctor Strange leading out of this movie into Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Yeah. So The funny thing about the whole Doctor Strange angle is it's a lot of it stems from this movie – but a lot of it also stems from the what if miniseries. And it's like, 
if you didn't see that before you go to see Doctor Strange 2, you're going to be lost, I think. Yeah, well, it's interesting. And like between What If and, and the way that ties into the Doctor Strange trailer and then also, and I, I told you this the other day, that I had gotten behind on Hawkeye and therefore was pleasantly surprised to see Matt Murphy's Daredevil, you know, or at least Matt Murphy, the lawyer. Matt Mur- uh, Murdoch. <laughs> Matt Murdoch, excuse me. Matt Murdoch, the lawyer in... Um, you know, helping Peter out in the beginning of the movie. Um, And that didn't really go anywhere else, but it's fun that like, all right, well, maybe he is in the MCU now. Now I'm not really sure what their licensing still yet is, but then when I went back and finished Hawkeye, whoa, there's Wilson Fisk. And like, Mm -hmm. he's king pinning it up for like, you know, one of the episodes. episodes. Um, So I don't know. I mean, I'm really hopeful uh, that that those characters are going to continue on. And like, I know that like, you know, essentially the way that Kingpin ends, I guess we're now getting into spoiler territory for Hawkeye, um, is kind of how Echo and him, you know, have, like sort of happen in the comics and he yeah. doesn't die. He gets like his eye sort of shot <laughs> or something like that, you know? So essentially just so you know, from from, from my knowledge, I think, at some point in 2021, the the broadcast rights for Daredevil and anybody in that show reverted back to Marvel because they Is they it? went like yeah because it was like it's funny years. I thought it was like a four year thing but maybe four years have gone by Is that possible? It's very close. And then each and then recently Jessica Jones came back to them and a few of them yeah they've reverted back already. Oh, so maybe it's just less time than I thought it was, or maybe that time's gone by already and just like I, can't I know escape the, this vortex of time escaping my life. I, I know for some of them, like the the uh, Fantastic Four, it took like seven years or something like that. But for the Marvel Netflix shows, if they didn't produce another episode or another season yeah. within three years of the of the one that ended, the rights would go back to Marvel. Something, something to that regard. I remember reading well, that. Well, I mean, it that. seems like the rights are up because here you have Charlie Cox uh, in Matt Murdock's uh, shoes again. So um, when I'm he catches that brick, that was so cool. Yes. <laughs> How'd you do that? <laughs> I'm a good lawyer. Uh, so just because I had to look it up, Daredevil ended in 2018. So it's conceivable that we're at the end of that time. So yeah. awesome. Let's get a Daredevil Disney Plus show going because yeah. I really enjoyed those. We don't need Iron Fist. He can stay no. where he is, but bring back Luke Cage and bring back Jessica Jones and bring back Daredevil. Yeah. Danny Rand can go sit on a stump. <laughs> we don't really care what he's doing. So one of my favorite moments in the Spider-Man movie is when they're in the lab and they're trying to figure out how to cure all of the different villains – and they have this sort of moment where they like talk about their web shooters and, yes. and, and they learn that Toby's are like organic and they're yeah. like, how does that work? I like, like too. I think they're on the Statue of Liberty. They, they're like, does it come from anywhere else? Yeah. <laughs> like, We're not going to get into that. <laughs> but it's so funny. And, and, and Toby, like he embodies like the elder statesman. Like for me, I see him as, you know, that later age Spider-Man you might see in a lot of Marvel comics where he's a grown-up before they, like, de-age him every so often. And it's kind of cool to see the three different generations. And he's also, like, 
least in the costume, which is kind of funny. Yeah. Um, I think when he shows up, he's not in the costume. Yeah, like, he's just you know, in like plain clothes. They find Andrew Garfield's version like in a Spider-Man suit, but then yeah. like Toby's just like there. <laughs> but he had it yeah. under his suit. Like, yeah, had it under his clothes. But it's just it's just so funny because he's just so like I don't know. There, there's something about that that Toby Spider-Man to me that it's just like it feels like this nerdy guy. He's just kind of funny. Um, and he's then, got the awkward thing down. Like, whereas the, the other two are a little bit more slick, he's always had the awkwardness, yeah, you know, p- perfected. <laughs> and just Andrew was like so funny. Like, yeah, he he really like Tom is pretty funny, but Andrew was hilarious. <laughs> like, he's just just hilarious. Like, can you get the cobwebs? <laughs> yeah, like, sure, yeah. man. <laughs> it's really funny. I don't know it. To me, it was great. The thing that I was surprised about in particular is the spell itself is bringing anybody into this universe that knows Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Okay? If that's the case, here's my only comments about the movie. One, why is Mary Jane not there? Why is Gwen Stacy not there? Uh, why is Captain Stacy not there? Why is uh, either of the Harry Osborns? I mean, I think the short answer to this question is they started to leak in, and then as soon as he like capped the spell in that box, it stopped the people. Because obviously when you get to the end of the movie – there's a whole sky full of people yeah. that are coming, you know, and, and yeah. they're going to come. I, I think it literally just happened to cap off at that bunch. Why it's them versus like the particular villains and or heroes that we got is a little like, you know, I, that's just serving the, you know, the plot of the story, I think, and who they were able to get back. Um, obviously they paid a lot of other people um, mentions and things like that. You know, I, I yeah. love Andrew Garfield mentioning like, Oh, there was this weird like Russian guy in a, rhinoceros suit you know and things like that you know like i think there was some like great like mentions and then obviously toby mentions an alien made out of black goo and then we get the you know the post-credit bump with uh as tom and i left off with with um you know the venom kind of inclusion um which that one is almost in antithesis to what you were just asking which is like because they, Tom Hardy doesn't know. Doesn't who. know, yeah. yeah. So the only thing I can explain that off with is like some weird coincidence on the fact that um, the symbiote was sort of mentioning that like there's this, this dimensional like a, hive mind and that yeah. like, you know, something like that. So the I guess the only other jump that you could also make then is like Toby Maguire's Venom knew who Peter Parker was, even if it's not – our right. Peter Parker, it's the Toby. So uh, there's some mathematics that you can do to, to jump through those hoops. I'm not sure it's important because like, you know, any any comic book movie has its, you know, superhero plot holes, which are just because of how complex and ridiculous, right. you know, some of like the ongoing story arcs have been over the past, you know, 80 years of comics or whatever. The, um, only, the, the only other, no, nah, I wouldn't call it a bummer, but I was like, I was hopeful for it. So we got Dr. Octopus, the Green Goblin, Sandman, Electro, and the Lizard. 
We're one away from a Sinister Six. We didn't get it. I was like, come on. We're so close. We're so close. <laughs> well, they got to leave you something for next time around. <laughs> I guess so. I, you know, speaking of next time, so essentially the movie winds down where the spell is formally cast. Everybody in every universe forgets that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Um Mary Jane or MJ and Ned kind of go off and have their own lives. And they not only know. that he's Spider-Man, they don't know who he Peter Parker is. It's as or if they don't Peter even... Parker never existed. Yeah. And and so which is which is kind of tragic, but it's also that is sort so of tragic. <laughs> but it's very much in the vein of a Spider-Man story where he's a hero, but he's also got a very tragic story. And the movie ends basically setting Spider-Man back to basics. There's no more Tony Stark based suits anymore. We see him in an apartment and he. I was st- so wishing the rent guy would be there. Yes, rents, everybody, was, rents. <laughs> everybody was saying that, but like he made his own costume. And to me, it felt like the brief little glimpses we saw of it the most comic book accurate spider-man costume i'd ever seen it was like you blink and you miss it but it was just like oh my god it's perfect the movie ends with him in the classic like everybody knows it and can recognize it spider-man suit and it's wonderful because in like true comic book fashion it's like, you know, every once in a while, Marvel and DC and whoever is like, all right, we've got all these characters and we've been writing them for forever. We need to shake up sales. What are we going to do? Reboot. <laughs> and it's like they rebooted yep. Spider-Man. Like, you know, he's now has no attachment to the Avengers. He has no attachment to any of the yeah. people he knew. He's like you said, he's starting fresh. And it opens up so many possibilities for like, you know, whatever it is that, that you know, they want to do with it now. And it's neat because they end it in his very original Spider-Man costume. So like you say, it's no longer dependent on Iron Man tech or this or that. He's like basically just back to being your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, which is like, it's great. That's exactly where it needs to be. Yeah. And it's, it's so interesting because it could take this story now in so many different directions. And I've, I've heard rumors that there are plans for three more Spider-Man movies. They didn't say Tom Holland Spider-Man movies. They said three, another trilogy of some sort. So, I mean, that'd be interesting if he didn't do them uh, because he's still pretty young. You know, he doesn't really have like the, like I'm 50 or 60 and I'm getting too old for this part sort of thing. So I could still see him doing another, trilogy you know i know like like what you're talking about came from a little bit of talk online of him like sort of saying like all right i'm wrapping up this trilogy but like that's just it it's a trilogy he could go anywhere else you know now and i think you know the way they left things off it goes into something like the symbiote suit because the way we leave off is that like one little bit of of you know venom symbiote is like creeping away on the bar at the end um and uh, I showed you uh, the other day uh, some neat um, concept sketches that uh, Marvel artist did. And these aren't necessarily like official leaked right. sketches for the next movie or something. But he just was like, here's an idea of something where I'd like to see this go next. And it was basically Tom Holland in the symbiote suit 
Yeah. And they were really cool sketches. They were like really neat looking. Really um, unique. Very cool. And you know yeah. me, I've told you a billion times throughout time that I've, you know, like I came into Spider-Man comics when I was watching the 94 cartoon, which dealt with mm-hmm. Venom a lot and, and the black suit. And then I went on to play like, you know, Maximum Carnage on the video games. And then I was learning about things like Secret Wars and where the black suit came from. And that like captured my imagination. And like even like when I was a, a young I read the story arc where basically like he gets the suit and then it starts driving him crazy and he starts realizing it's not who he is and he gets rid of it. And then you get the Eddie Brock, you know, like I had to go back and find those. And I I was like, so enjoyed that. So like, that's like where my whole like reading comics starts when I'm a kid, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I'm all for that symbiote suit showing up and seeing it done really decently with the original like Spider-Man training it into Venom sort of that we get arc. You know, I like the Venom movies for what they are. I don't think they are masterpieces by any stretch. I don't think they really hold a candle to a lot of other comic book hero movies, but they're fun for what they are. But the one problem I have with all of them is it skipped over the Spider-Man portion of it. Now, the good thing I'll say is that they didn't seem to do anything with Venom swinging around on webs which yeah. would have been very blasphemous, <laughs> you know, not having that Spider-Man intro, but we could get that now. And I'm, I'm all for that, you know, so we will see what comes in Spider-Man in the future here. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty pumped. I'm, and I've heard whispers because Mark, what, who did this movie? Uh, Mark Webb did the movie. Uh, jo- John Watts, Mark Webb did the amazing ones. Uh, John Watts is directing, Fantastic Four, and there's theories that Spider-Man may pop up in Fantastic Four, just so you know. As the amazing Bagman? I don't know. <laughs> that would be incredible. <laughs> I do not know. But So that's our, our conversation on Spider-Man uh, No Way Home. We both loved it. It's a fantastic movie. If you haven't seen it, go see it. You'll love it. It's well, well worth it. And it's it's one of a kind. It really is. <laughs> so, Mike, you got any other new movies, new to you, that, that has popped up for you that, that you've been so enjoying? I've got a couple of new to me's. Um, the first one is Encanto. Yeah. It's boring. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure what answer I was going to get out of that. I mean, like, is it at least the new Frozen at your house? Because it is here. No, like, it is if not. If we're not watching it on the TV, the kids are listening to it on the uh, on the music on the no, episode, so. Grace was bored by it too. It just felt slow. It's visually stunning. It's beautiful, but it just was slow. And like, I don't know if I were to c- compare it, like color color scheme, very much to that of Coco, where Coco is just mind-bogglingly beautiful this is equally beautiful but i just didn't care that much about the story and it's very very slow to me on the contrary we saw um ron's gone wrong yes yeah which i was mentioning last time yeah and i really liked it it's really (laughs) really cute really fun so that we liked and you know it feels like even though it's not a disney pixar movie it's like Almost like a prequel to Wally, in a way. In a way, I mean, like what I was comparing it to was Big Hero Six because it's like it's kind of like that same like 
you get like this dopey, like little, like basic robot and you got to kind of like train it to be your best friend in the world. Mm-hmm. The only difference is that obviously in big hero six, it goes on to like be doing like Kung Fu fighting and shooting rocket hands around. Whereas in this, it really just ends up with like friendship. So I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I really did like the, uh, I actually like both of them. I liked Encanto a lot. I liked, um, I liked Ron's Gone Wrong. I think I was more pleasantly surprised out of the two by Ron's Gone Wrong. I think I got what I thought was coming with Encanto. Mm -hmm. I think with Ron's Gone Wrong, I didn't quite know what to expect. The trailer seemed weird. Um, And like, it's like, it's kind of an odd premise where it sort of is comparing like overuse of cell phones and how Mm. kids are basically addicted to that now to like that in robots in the future. But um, yeah, I don't know. I I, I ended up being a bit more charming than I, than I thought it would be. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Well, what about you? I actually have several different things I thought would be worth mentioning, and uh, some of them I'll just speak very briefly about, first two of which I'll just mention, uh, because these technically qualify as movies, even though they'll tell you they're made-for-TV movies, is South Park post-COVID and South Park post-COVID, the return of COVID. Oh, um, I, the, the ones on uh, Paramount Plus? Yes. Um, I was really uh, – I've been like itchy and missing South Park for quite some time. Mm. And I had just said to Ange, I was like, gosh, I wonder where that show is. I feel like there wasn't anything since like the um, – whatever it was special that they did a while back. And like sure enough, there was two new things that we had totally missed out on. And one of them had only really just recently come out. So um, we watched those over the course of two nights and, and – of course, being South Park, they were hilarious. Um, really like the future selves of all the main South Park characters. Just, yeah. just really, really funny. So uh, if you're a South Park person, go check those out. Or even if you're just like really tired of COVID, go check those out. Because I think they they kind of poke fun at it in a lot of fun ways. Uh, obviously, saw Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, I have another like addendum to my 2021 like top favorite movies list. Okay. Um, which I don't know exactly where this lands or if it's in the top five. If it's not, it's definitely a runner up. Um, is Don't Look Up. I want to watch that. I, everybody tells me I got to watch that. They so say this it's is really- um, Adam McKay's, and Adam McKay is just a genius. Like <laughs> everything he's produced, you know, I, I was saying to Ange, I think it, his career is so funny because, like, you tack him to Will Ferrell and you're like, all right, you know, like they were doing like, like goofy sort of short things and whatever. And he's funny. But like when he started getting out there and doing things like the big short and like, you know, like he's had several others since they're just so good. Like not only are they hilarious, but they're just really incredibly well-written. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't look up is fabulous. It, it's such a great, like, you know, like black comedy look at, our society right now and kind of how the media sort of glazes over like really important things. Like, you know, like mm-hmm. it's, it's just really, really well done. Um, the cast is incredible. Um, it's as funny as it is, you know, like kind of just dark satire. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really good. I highly suggest checking it out. Um, and then the other addendum I have to my 2021 top list, which was spurred by you, is The Tomorrow War. You finally saw Fabulous it. Fabulous movie. Oh, my God. Yeah, and I knew right. that I would like this movie <laughs> because, again, Chris Pratt is like so infinitely watchable and good in everything he does. But uh, it was just something where, like, honestly, I meant to sit down and watch it like the weekend it came out 
forgot to do it, and then just kept forgetting to do it because it's on Prime. And I just don't really go to Prime for yeah. a lot of my stuff like that. So I just I just honestly kept forgetting to watch it. Um, so again, super duper enjoyable. Really liked uh, the White Spikes. Um, and actually, the funny thing is I saw last year, um, and I think I mentioned it in one of the podcasts as like a new to me that I had seen um, like The Silent Place. Is that what mm-hmm. it is? Um, and I was kind of ho-hum on the silent place. Like I kind of felt like the villains, you know, like the aliens, whatever, didn't a hundred percent make sense. And some of the story didn't, you this the quiet was place? so good. Like it again, a quiet place. Thank you. Um, what do I call it? The silent place. Yes. <laughs> Close <laughs> enough. Um, but like I, you know, first of all, you, any movie where there's like a time travel element, like sign me up, I'm there. But I thought they handled this in such a fun way and when you think the movie's over, there's like a whole other portion to it still that like makes sense. And it's like, it's like it's, 25 minutes more of the movie. You're like, wow. It's so <laughs> yeah, but like, I, you know, like it's just like, it was so great. And again, I, if I'm not spoiling things at this point, if nobody else has seen it, but like, like when he leaves his daughter to go into the future, I'm like, he's going to run into his daughter. And then when he does, I'm like, Oh, perfect. It's such a good, like payoff yeah. that like he would then spend like the time. And it's like, you know, it just like, you know, hashtag girl dads between you and I, I was just like, yeah. that's, it, it just felt so relatable. Like in a scenario yeah. where, where it was like this kind of everyday guy that gets pulled in like that. So I, again, super enjoyable. I really liked the supporting cast. Um, and I just thought it was like, a, just like, I mean, just again, like fun sci-fi flick. They just did mm-hmm. everything well with it. Um, and I, I, good villain. I really liked the white spikes. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> yeah, it was a really great movie. It's it's a lot of fun. If you haven't seen it, I mean, it's been out now for you know maybe like almost probably eight, at least nine half months. a year. Yeah, I'd, yeah, yeah I'd say something like that. Yeah, check it out on Amazon Prime if you got it. And you, I mean, who doesn't have Amazon Prime? Yes. Other, other, All right. Other last, <laughs> last thing I got to throw in the list, just because I'd be remiss not to mention it, is Cobra Kai season four. Have you? Watched oh yeah, it? I of course I did. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It, I it just continues to be so damn good. I don't yeah. understand. There's so many shows that get to their second, third, fourth seasons and they're just trash. This continues to be good. And again, it's like it's cheesy yes. and it's over the top, but it's so good. <laughs> yeah. So I, I will say this about the, this season because my sister started watching it before me and she watched the first two episodes. She said, it's really cheesy and kind of campy. Uh, have you watched it? And I'm like, no, but like, I, I got to find out what's going on. So I powered through it in about the mm, day and a half or so. <laughs> and the first two episodes are a little cheesy. The middle chunk is really building up to something cool. And like the last three episodes are just fantastic. Like it is not necessarily the best season of the show, but it's way up there and it hits yeah. all the all the notes like it gets every little bit of feels. It's got all that nostalgia. There's a lot of fun to it and a lot of just silliness. Yes, there's some campiness, some cheesy lines, a little this, little that. But overall, it's really, really good. The only thing I don't like about the show and it's on purpose is I just don't like daniel larusso's son <laughs> i don't like the kid he's not i didn't like him from the get-go and he's meant to not be likable but i really didn't like him this season and 
some of the middle school stuff was a little bit cheesy and, and a little bit dragged on. But overall, the where where it goes to by the end makes total sense. And it's just like, aha, here we no, are. It now. does. And it's so funny because I, one of the thoughts I had while watching this is I was like as into this as when I was like a teenage kid watching like professional wrestling mm-hmm. where it's like you know that it's like over the top and like there's like these like just overly dramatized storylines and things going on and and like this guy turned heel and like the mm-hmm. heel turned good and had a redemption arc and and like there's all those sort of things like that in there and it just it just felt so wonderful um yeah. because it's like it it doesn't take it it takes itself seriously but it it also doesn't you know what i mean like it it delivers on being like as perfectly cheesy and wonderful and like you know just like soap opera drama at points and it's like it's it's just so enjoyable to watch and the only sad thing about it is that you go through the damn show in like a day or half or two sitting and then you're waiting for another year for the next season to come out so they filmed both seasons four and season five back to back and they've, they've already wrapped filming on season five. Um, so Let's get that sucker out. <laughs> so hopefully they can edit it and get it in, t- in less than a year's time, but knowing Netflix, because the way they dropped this one on like new year's Eve, they're just like, yeah, these these sheep will wait. <laughs> They'll wait. I think one of my favorite things that's starting to be like an ongoing thing with this show is that like the last episode wraps with like, all right, we're going to bring in that one more cameo surprise and that's going to become like the main arc the next season. So they brought in <laughs> the guy from Japan. I can't think of the character's name. Chosen. Chosen. <laughs> it's like, it's like, I need your help now to like defeat like the new Cobra Kai. And it's like, it's it's just brilliant. I love it. <laughs> I also have a theory. I love that the basically, like, if you strip away all the dramatics from it, that the next season is basically they're just going to have to try and stop, like, <laughs> like, a, like a children's martial arts thing from franchising. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's basically, like, the like it's, it's way more dramatic in the show, but the reality is, like, oh, they're going to open up a couple more stores so we got to stop them from doing that yeah. we can't let these kids do karate with this yeah. guy <laughs> but what's very interesting though and i don't even know if you picked up on this and this is for people who haven't seen it a major spoiler terry silver at the end basically says there are other people that i can bring in and i have this theory that uh Tori's dad is Barnes. Interesting. Yeah, because there's also that little like chunk where the mother's like uh, talking about Miguel, like Miguel's yeah. mother is like, oh, his father doesn't know that he exists. So like he might be somebody of importance now heading into the new season too. So. It's gotta be like that came from somewhere. But I truly think that because Tori only has a mom and she's the caregiver and the dad is absentee, I just feel very strongly that Tori's dad is Barnes and Miguel's dad is. I have to watch the movies again to figure yeah. out who, who he possibly <laughs> could be because it has to be some of the ties. I in like somewhere. if it just started like 
a la No Way Home, just crossing streams with other universes, and we just get like Chuck Norris at some point, and, like <laughs> Steven Seagal, and like just have like these random people just start popping in that really don't have any reason to be there. <laughs> that would be incredible. That would be fantastic. It's just like okay, what other movies happen in in around this time? Okay. Let's throw in Doc Brown. You know, yeah. <laughs> he, he pulls up with the DeLorean and he needs, you know, Daniel LaRusso to fix the DeLorean. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't run on plutonium anymore. Now you need uh, like sick uh, karate moves to make the, the DeLorean work. <laughs> badass. <laughs> it runs on badass. <laughs> so, yeah, no, Cobra Kai season four is great. Don't listen to what you hear online from from all the trolls. The first two episodes are slow, but after that, it's just a great ride again. I'll tell you the only thing where I was unhappy all season was Carrie Underwood. And only just because I didn't really understand why she needed to be there or singing the song. Why she was there. (laughs) That made no sense whatsoever. That was really, really kind of dumb. Like, in a kind of almost ironic sort of tone, it's like they're like – the guy who's like the president of like the board of the competition, like keeps saying that he can try and get like various celebrities in and they don't believe him. And then he finally randomly gets her. And it's almost like an in joke on itself that like, it's just like he was just able to get some random celebrity. So therefore the show got some random celebrity. I don't know. It was very weird. Like it it would have been much funnier and better if they got like one of the performers that sang, sang the songs in the first movie. And, and like they, sang the song again and then we did the, the montage the whole thing you know like what's the guy's name uh who, i mean they, they reference chicago they reference a lot of different bands of the 80s and they should have gotten somebody like that to come on instead that would have been so much more i mean she fan. might have been singing a song that made sense to the older movies i just can't recall because it seemed a little off for what she but i i just don't know yeah, it seemed like a money grab for Carrie Underwood, basically. <laughs> hey, kids, remember Carrie Underwood? <laughs> yeah, great. She was not even really born yet. <laughs> so, All right. Well, I think that's probably enough for our new and new to you. So how about we dive into our Box Office 30 segment for January 1992. Welcome to January 92. Unfortunately, as with the past January box offices, this month is very light on new releases with only nine new films. That might be one of the lowest wow. numbers low. that we've we've ever covered on this. So uh, good news, bad news. We're going to be through this pretty quick, which is yeah. why we were talking a little long in the uh, first portion of the podcast. Um, our top film for January, incredible film, is Hook with a gross of $40.4 just a little less than its December haul. Uh, our number two film is Michael's personal favorite, The Prince of Tides. Uh, oh, he God. so badly wanted to see this with the adults, it scarred him for life. But right now, it's just managing to get ever so slight a lead out of our number three film this month with $37.7 in earnings. So sorry, Michael, you'll get to see it someday. Oh, what a shame. (laughs) 
At number three, uh, with just 667,000 less than Prince of Tides, is Father of the Bride in our number three spot. So, um, again, thanks as usual to everybody who voted in our listener poll and for the Retro Network for sharing it along. We always get a lot better voting results when that happens. Um, The results are as follows. I went in blind. I'm going to go look right now. All right. With third place, with 21.1% of the vote, we had Hand That Rocks the Cradle. With 30.5% of the vote in second place, I'm sorry, Michael, the last Boy Scout. And with 48.4% of the vote, almost half of you wanted us to do it. Father of the Bride is our January featured film. (laughs) You guys don't know... I had so many good little <laughs> quips and jokes. I was I, I was going to lead this in being like, this started off a series of last movies. Last Boy Scout. The last action hero. The, the, the last of the Mohicans. The, <laughs> uh, there's another Bruce Willis movie. You know, The Last Man Standing. There's a whole slew of them that come after well, this. Well, I have to say this was your last chance to get this film on here. I'm so sorry. It didn't work out. <laughs> oh, man. It's so good, too. You guys. Huh. Well, I do have to say, uh, and I was really happy. There was actually a bit of um, conversation, at least on Twitter, this past poll uh, on various people's opinions on this. And you had some people that were backing you on The Last Boy Scout. So again, not an insignificant amount that, that you know, a third essentially uh, voted for Last Boy Scout just didn't happen to fall uh, that direction this time. And probably for the reason that, you know, like you've been saying to me over and over, Steve Martin and Martin Short, how can you go wrong yeah. with Father of the Bride? So um, that is the way we'll be heading this year. 95 final votes. Thank you guys wow. so much for, for voting. Yes. I don't know if I talked to 95 people, so <laughs> thank you. That's great. Yeah, so again, wonderful, wonderful turnout. Again, huge thank you to Retro Network uh, and RD80 and all for sharing that because it always goes a long way uh, to make it, um, you know, a much better poll when we don't have like – Five people and half of those are you and me voting on it. I I will say though, as picks go, Father of the Bride is probably going to be an easy convince for Dory to actually want <laughs> to watch it. Uh, so, likewise with Ange, I think she'll be happily watching that one over with me too. <laughs> The funny part, I do have to say, there was a little controversy over this poll, particularly because we had three options and left off JFK. And I know Mickey over at the Retro Network was particularly like feeling a little wronged by the fact that we didn't do this. Because I remember Mickey was even asking me earlier in the year if we'd be covering it when it came along. And this was before we had instituted the um, polling uh, feature where we were still just doing the top film of of a given month. So um, I, I feel like it got snatched away from Mickey twice. So I'm, I'm very sorry, sir. Um, but, uh, you know, like uh, Stephen Sapellis from Wizards Podcast was even uh, asking on this uh, poll, like, well, which movie is Michael going to like the least? And that's where I was answering him that JFK <laughs> would have been the answer and hence why it wasn't on the uh, the list this month. So um, and, and I'll, I'll I don't dislike jfk well steven does (laughs) so it seems like there's a a tear between some some retro network folks between mickey who really really wanted us to do it and apparently steven that that does not he he did not like this film steven hates oliver stone hates him but i will say 
the problem with JFK that I have is I just don't have nine hours to watch JFK. <laughs> That's basically it. I mean, in a miniature sort of JFK review, and I, I do have to say, like, the movie is probably slightly relevant to the times that we're living in because there's a lot of um, deep state and um, conspiracy theory and QAnon and, and a lot of things. So in a way there's a lot of relevant themes in this movie that, that stand up today. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, Oliver Stone, love him, hate him. His movies are masterpieces for what they are. Um, but they are all long and deep. And I think you and I just felt for the sake of you and I, and how we usually handle the stupidity of what we typically discuss, that it was probably above our, our, our grade level. So I I also want to say (laughs) if, if hook was two hours and 20 and, (laughs) and, and Pete had about 97 notes on it, I can't imagine what a four hour JFK would be. Well, yeah, again, in point in case we were chatting about it over on the slack and there were some people agreeing that our, our episode would probably be like four plus hours so yeah. in in like uh all due respect and and uh you know i bow before oliver stone and and what his long career has accomplished i think it's probably just didn't make sense for us to try and tackle but father of the bride is certainly our speed so yeah. <laughs> that's where we'll be heading this month but before we talk more about that how about we take a look at our nine Sad little releases that made the other ranks here. <laughs> okay. You want to lead us off? So, Hand That Rocks Cradle comes in at number four with a gross of 36,197,000 in 1,700 or so screens. So, it says it's a Walt Disney. Yeah, again, we can't which, trust any time it says Walt Disney because I think it just got changed over to that once right. uh, they acquired Fox. Uh, it's it's a bummer that they did that in their system because it's just putting all future information incorrect. So yeah, shame um, on you, box office mojo. <laughs> I I actually like Hand That Rocks Your Cradle. I think it's a very good suspenseful like horror movie. It did scare the heck out of me as a kid when I saw it. Um, but yeah, it didn't need to be discussed in the podcast, if you ask me. Uh, the next one, it jumps all the way down to number 13. Yeah, so that's how you know that we're in one of these funk months. <laughs> with a movie that I have never heard of called Cuffs. K-U-F-F-S. A Universal Pictures movie that grossed $14 million. Uh It's... Oh, it appears now. to have Christian Slater, but I don't know anything about it. I okay. Here's the here's the tagline for it. George Cuffs, twenty one, leaves a pregnant girlfriend. He visits his brother Brad to bum money off him. Brad's shot, and George IDs the killer at the San Francisco Police Department, but to no avail. He inherits Brad's patrol district and he keeps it to get the killer wow even the way this is written it just sounds is boring to be honest horrible <laughs> this sounds horrible i'm sorry christian slater this is a no-go for me wow that sounds horrible i couldn't even read it okay. <laughs> all right the next one actually down is is number 15 is juice which is a Tupac Shakur movie 
Four inner city teenagers get caught up in the pursuit of power and happiness, which they refer to as the juice. I, say what you will. I thought Tupac was a great actor. He really did some great movies. Uh, this has got Omar Epps in it, who's really good in this movie as well. I remember this movie. I I really loved. I remember this movie being out. I don't think I ever saw it. I feel like I saw it in college. I didn't see it when at this time, but like in college, it was on. I was watching it with somebody else, and it's it's a good movie. It's like it's not bad. Like he's a very good actor, and, and you know, it's a shame. Number oh 16 my on our God. list. Do you know this one? <laughs> oh. I don't know that I've ever seen it, but I know of it. So this movie is called Free Jack. Uh, and this uh, has Mick Jagger and Emilio Estevez and Anthony Hopkins. And, and Rene Russo. <laughs> the, the story is bounty hunters from the future transport a doomed race car driver to New York City in 2009, where his mind will be replaced with that of a dead billionaire. <laughs> So 5.4 stars out of 10. On so, so I first learned about this movie probably 20 so, some odd years ago, but I never saw it. I first really learned what it was about on Paul Shear's podcast, How Did This Get Made? This, <laughs> nice. was, the, this was the very first episode of, of their show that I ever listened to. And if you want to go back and learn about Free Jack, watch or listen to that podcast it is phenomenal <laughs> it's so good it's so crazy so good so at number 21 we have our mirror max of the month which is a movie called love crimes uh does not ring a bell at all for me <laughs> yeah i don't know it's uh a romance thriller so they call it a tough female district attorney is investigating a man who picks out women from public places by posing as a famous photographer, then takes pictures of them, then pushes them, pushes on their submissive tendencies and takes advantage of them physically and financially. The trouble is that none of these women want to press charges because they feel fulfilled in some way by their encounter. The DA arranges to meet him and finds herself in a similar situation as the other victims. And has come to grips with her own submissive desires. Nice. Okay. Yes. Sexy. <laughs> <laughs> very, very Miramax. I'll tell you that. Yeah. And we have a few more of these down at the bottom here. We have Shining Through, which is uh, a movie dealing with Nazi Germany. I'm going to skip one for a second here. We have another one, num number 32, which is called 35 Up, which is like one of these movies where basically like it's essentially a documentary. They check in on people seven years later. Mm -hmm. uh, the very bottom of the list, number 34, is a movie called Voyager, which makes only $4,111. Again, not terribly interesting to talk about, but <laughs> number 29, it piqued my interest, which is Blood Fist 3, Forced to Fight. <laughs> this <laughs> is... $35,154 on 18 screens ever that's wow. it <laughs> jimmy bulland is a man unjustly accused of a brutal crime within the prison he must fight for survival freedom and justice and the cover of this the poster of this is just like it's just ridiculous yeah it's, it's horrible <laughs> it's really not good it's 
uh, oh god it's it's like one of those movies that you hear them sort of like poke fun of on the simpsons kind of thing <laughs> you know he's just like he's it, the poster can I, i'm just gonna try and describe this it's a young guy he's shirtless but he's wearing really tight jeans that show a ridiculous bulge <laughs> and then he's got like like chain gang chains on his arms but he's got his arms in like a fighting pose and in behind him is like all this barbed wire fence and like prison sort of scenery. And I'm just like, why would this guy be in like shirtless denim, <laughs> like in a prison? I don't know. It's, it's quite, quite amazing looking. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Who's got uh, this month as the reviewer? Is it you or me? It is me um, because it's carrying – it would have been mine anyway, but remember we had traded for, for Hook. So this is yes. my third month in a row, but this would have been my natural uh, notes month anyway. So Fair. Okay. You good. have another month off and then it's back on you again. <laughs> okay, good. His next month's movies are much better to choose from, so I'm, I'm happy about that. Well, oh. let's try and recall Father of the Bride. Okay. Do you want to do it or want me to do it? Well, let me go through our notes to start, as we usually okay. do, and then we'll see what we can come up with. So Father of the Bride is directed and at least in part written by Charles Shire. Um, he's much more of a producer and a writer than a director, having written and or produced Smokey and the Bandit, Private Benjamin, I Love Trouble, Father of the Bride Part 2, and the 1998 Parent Trap, and Alfie, among some others. But a lot of those are much more in the producing and writing end than the directing end. Mm -hmm. uh, although quite a few of them, he's wearing multiple hats uh, in those right. cases. Uh, screenplay is additionally written by Nancy Myers. Um, wow. Who, uh, really more so, this is kind of more her screenplay. And I think he's just adding into it as the director. Uh, because she also, you know, then, you know, wrote a ton of other things also, including yeah. Private Benjamin um, and Father of the Bride Part 2 and Father of the Bride Part 3-ish, <laughs> which we'll get to. Um, uh, film stars uh, Steve Martin, Diane Keaton, Martin Short, Kimberly Williams Paisley, Kiernan Culkin, the other Culkin brother, mm -hmm. and George Newbern and B.D. Wong, among others. Uh, now... Interestingly enough, it's a remake of a 1950 film with the same name written by Francis Goodrich and Albert Hackett and starring Spencer Tracy, Elizabeth Taylor and Joan Bennett and was adapted from the 1949 novel of the same name again by Edward Streeter. So I wow. didn't know it had quite this deep a history, but in fact it does. <laughs> Um, so cool. let's try and, and figure this guy out. So uh, I feel like I usually toss this at you to do. Um, here's my recollection uh, of Father of the Bride. Uh, and again, hashtag girl dads. What a, what a movie for you and I, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, but essentially um, uh, he runs a like a sneaker company or like something like that. Um, and his daughter is away in Europe. And when she comes back. Um, she kind of like it basically announces that uh, she met somebody and that they're engaged to get married. Um, and this kind of comes as a big shock to them. And uh, he doesn't really know how he feels about letting his daughter go yet because she's still pretty young. She's only like just out of college. Um, and they meet 
the guy's parents who are like pretty like wealthy people. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, hijinks ensues. <laughs> hijinks ensues. You know, like he, you know, it, it it falls into that sort of thing. Like you know, he has his company, but like then all of a sudden, there's all these like highfalutin plans, and of course, we get this. Uh, I think he's German. Um, <laughs> just given the outrageous accent, um, wedding planner who is played by Martin Short, um, who comes on and like has just all these like insane, ridiculous, over the top ideas, and of course, it's all adding up and adding up, and has the father of the bride you know it's like on him to like be paying for a lot of this Mm. stuff um and it kind of comes to a head where uh the daughter essentially gets into like a fight with the fiance like kind of like right beforehand and it's almost like they're gonna like break it off um and he's like really excited about that but then like he catches up with the the soon-to-be son-in-law who he kind of like doesn't want in the picture and then he realizes that the guy is like really and truly heartbroken and he kind of like realizes, no, it's time to let his daughter go. And um, he helps get them back together and they have the wedding. Although I think I remember it being smaller scale than they were thinking they were going to have. I think it ends up just being at their house or something like yeah. that. Like in their backyard. I think. And like the weather's yeah. not good or something. And, um, you know, he he he's a good dad and he, he gives his daughter away. And then like the end of the movie is him like dancing with his wife. Yeah. That's my recollection of, of Father of the Bride. <laughs> that's, a, that's pretty good. I, I got to say, that was impressive. That was a very good uh, recall, I would say, sir. Good job. Yes, thank you. Um, and uh, so I mentioned Father of the Bride. Um, well, I should say, again, and we've, we, we've talked about it before, that like I saw these movies when I was youngish, teenage years maybe, uh, because we had bought like the two set you know, from Caldor on VHS. So I had watched them then um, and I enjoyed them. Um, this was certainly before I was like a 100% diehard sort of Steve Martin, Martin Short kind of fan. Although I will say I'm not the biggest fan of only murders in the building. Um, and I, I, I'm not hundred percent sure why, because obviously I like them and I like the concept of podcasts and things, but I feel like it's almost a little too over the top, but I don't know. I got to give it a chance and go back and finish it. I, I got th- I got through the first three episodes. I like it. It's a little meta. I don't know. Yeah. It's a little quirky. I, I like Selena Gomez in it a lot. I really like her in it. Um, I feel I, like I she's my weakest point in it. And the reason why I feel like she's the weakest point in it is like her playing with or against or together with those two. It just feels like uh, like, like, like she can't <laughs> keep up. Not even that. It just it just doesn't feel like it's things that that belong together. Like it just it just doesn't jive. I don't know. Like it it it, it doesn't make sense to me, especially like as an Upper West Sider. Like this idea that like two old men would just be hanging out with this young woman trying to solve murders. And again, I realize that it's part of the farcical portion of the show, you know, or whatever. But it, I don't know. Like she, she just doesn't stick with them. It's it, it's it's like apples and oranges. I don't know. It just kind of just doesn't seem to go together a hundred percent in my mind. But I don't yeah. know. At some point, if I'm bored, I'll probably get back to it. But uh, funny enough, Ange, who's also a huge um, fan of the two of them, she wasn't really feeling the show either. So I don't know. I know there's people that love 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 it to death, but I've never been like a big serial person either. You know, like mm-hmm. in the, like the like. Murder mystery podcast is kind of not my thing, so, which mm-hmm. actually Ange listened to all those and several others and enjoyed them. So um, if she's not loving it, then I think that says something extra about it. I don't know, but uh, lukewarm. But anyway, it's off off point. But anyway, 
Um, I, I in my research, I came across Father of the Bride Part Three ish. They yes, um, they, they did something during the pandemic to kind of like do like a, a Zoom call. Yes, which sort of it, like there was a bunch of people that were doing this. It was almost like a thing for a while. Yeah, and some of them were a lot better than others um, in their execution. Um, this was like fine. I, I ended up watching it before we did the the show. Just because I was morbidly curious and I figured it'd be just something interesting to talk about. Um, and it is what it sounds like. It's one of these like Zoom call sort of things. One of the funny things about it is basically everybody is on a green screen. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're made to look like they're in like rooms. So mm-hmm. I thought that was a really weird choice uh, because I feel like a lot of these things, like, you know, like the one that like immediately comes to mind for me was um uh <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm screwing up the name but rob uh, mcelaney's show on apple tv um raven's banquet but i'm forgetting the first part something quest raven's banquet did you get to see that no oh, it's a brilliant show um it, it's really really good i actually really highly suggest watching it even though i'm totally farting out on the name um uh, mythic quest mythic quest raven's banquet fabulous show on apple tv highly recommend it um, but, uh, and it, it basically, it, I'm not even sure that it's what it sounds like. It's, it's, it's about video game developers, um, at this company. And like, they're basically like, they built like a world of Warcraft type of game and they're trying to come out with like this next big sequel. Um, but it's very funny, really entertaining. If you're somebody who likes, um, always sunny, there's definitely some of that humor there. Um, but mm. it's also like got a really great kind of expansive cast. It's it's like almost like if you mixed, Always Sunny with like The Office is like the best way I can describe it. Um, okay. But anyway, again, I, I digress. I'm getting too far off. But they did a COVID episode, but it's really like everybody like at their like home computers, you know, like sort of thing. With this, it's like it's got like extra production value where they clearly stuck all these people on green screens with good lighting and then put green screened backgrounds behind them. But unlike the Zoom that we're used to where these like really farcical kind of computerized backgrounds, they really tried to make it look like these people were in just nice looking rooms. And I'm like, I just don't understand why they didn't just honestly do it with them in in, their own rooms or whatever. So because there's a few that look like they are and there's a bunch that look like they don't. Martin Short, most of all, like he's just in front of just fake background after fake background. And they're like way obviously fake backgrounds. <laughs> like, like it changes from like day to night at one point in the middle of the call. <laughs> oh, um, but uh, long story short, it's a short, it's about 20 minutes long. And essentially it's um, uh, Kieran Culkin um, gets married on the zoom call. Like he's already <laughs> engaged but he wants to do like a wedding because he doesn't want to be like another day not married to his girlfriend. So he he um, marries her on the Zoom call. Um, fun inclusion. Uh, the girl's father is Robert De Niro. So like he brought a little like De Niro-ness to the, to the thing and they did have Martin Short back. And they basically got like, like a good chunk, not all of the people, but a good chunk of the cast back. Um, including like the baby from um, Father of the Bride Part 2 all grown mm-hmm. up um, <laughs> on the Zoom call and things like that. So it, it was fine. It was it was it was whatever. I, 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 if you're a real Father of the Bride fan and you haven't seen it, go spend 20 minutes and see it. It's on Netflix. It's free for anybody to watch there or on YouTube. 
Um, but otherwise, I, I can't recommend going out of your way to find it. It was it was a so-so COVID yeah. moment thing. The so, one thing I will say is it looked like they were trying to raise um, funds for Yeah, a lot of these like Zoom re- uh, reunions, if you will, all were like on different charity things and trying to raise money and like live streaming and, yeah. and stuff like that. The best one honestly is a show that i love i don't know if you've ever watched it. have you ever watched happy endings i think i've seen some episodes i don't think i've seen oh uh, you and angie it. gotta watch it it's so good but they did a zoom call reunion episode and it is fantastic it's so <laughs> funny but yeah a lot of them were good a lot of them were really bad uh i remember like i feel like josh gad was doing a bunch of them like he was hosting a ton of them at one point he was yeah, he was doing something specific where like it was just essentially like Yeah, he he was getting together like casts of like Back to the older, Future, yeah, yeah, things, or, yeah. Or like Family Ties or one one of the others, I forget yeah. what it was. Yeah. Something like that. But anyway, we digress. Yeah, it's I, I watched a little bit, I turned it off, it was kind of boring. I love the movies though. I really do love Father of the Bride and Father of the Bride Part Two. Um, but speaking of that, do you want to check out the trailer? Yes, let's check it out in our preview review. All right, I'll count us down. Three, two, one. Ooh, touchstone. <laughs> We've had a lot of touchstones, haven't we? So this is something I forgot about. He narrates the movie. Oh, yeah, that's right. He does narrate the movie. Yeah, he sort of like first persons it a little bit. and looks up to you and adores you in a way you could never have imagined. Nice. That's pretty funny if he's remembering her as little like that in the movie. That's cute. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny how young music. he looks. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a guy that's had, like, white hair forever. Forever, yes. He had white hair in the 70s on SNL. It is interesting that it is narrated throughout the movie. It's kind of cool. I <laughs> <laughs> grabbed his daughter's leg. <laughs> oh, there he is. What's a wedding coordinator? Oh, anybody who's gotten married in the last couple of years knows what a wedding coordinator is. Oh, boy. <laughs> Swans in the bathtub. Right here. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah, he gets chased by those dogs. Yeah, he does. He gets chased by dogs. Dobermans. Um, Remember, like, back in the 90s when Dobermans were the scary dog? Yes, they were, yes. Not pit bulls. Like, Dobermans <laughs> used to be the scary dog, like in Beethoven and everything. What's funny is... Nice. <laughs> I think like the trailer does give a lot of the movie away, but not a lot of the jokes, I feel like. Introducing oh, so Kimberly Williams? Wow. Oh my goodness. I mean, I'm not terribly so surprised by that. She's young she's here. She's done so many things now. Like, wow, that's crazy. Drive carefully. And don't forget to fasten your condom. 
Fans in your condom, he says. Seatbelt. Seatbelt. That's pretty funny. Oh my goodness. Okay, I'm excited for this. I'm I'm looking forward to see this movie. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. You know, I feel like in part a lot of the time on this show, we've been doing a lot of things that are um, action movies, things like that. It's good to get like a good comedy in the mix here. So I'm looking forward to it. Oh, oh, not like what about Bob? Yeah, I said good comedy. (laughs) (laughs) That that terrible dreck that we had to sit through. Oh, boo. (laughs) What about boo? There you go. I think that's like somebody it was on Slack or something. I'm I'm apologizing that I'm not remembering where who said it, but they were like, if we had done JFK for you, it could have been like a what about Bob and like hook combined or something like that. <laughs> that's pretty funny. I, I, I believe that. It's it like the listener feedback we're starting to get is people are genuinely happier when you're in pain. <laughs> Story of my life. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. So the more annoyed I get, the more we'll get listeners. I love it. Sounds, Sounds like great. It, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. So so just so you know, folks, next month we've got Wayne's World, Fried Green Tomatoes, Medicine Man. And final analysis. I don't even know what that is, but I have to imagine it's going to be Wayne's World. I, I, I can't imagine it would go off the, uh, well, you, the. You don't want Sean Connery in Medicine Man next month. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm a Sean Connery guy, but I don't know about that particular one. It's, it's, not, it's not one of his finer ones. <laughs> All right, so let's wrap this show up. You want to do our big movie quiz? Sure. Do you have it? Yeah, I think, um, you know, we're kind of getting into Oscar season here. So how about doing some Oscar big movie quiz? I feel like that's okay. like our – we always do action and comedy. So maybe we'll give this guy a, a little go here. Sure, give it a whirl. Let's see what happens. All right. Now i got to try and remember because I, I had a bad habit of shuffling these earlier on. i got to try and give you ones that uh, – we haven't, haven't done. necessarily given you before. <laughs> okay. Are we, right, are we so, doing a best of six again? Yes, best of six, I feel like, is always is always the good way to go. Okay. All right. So, uh, and again, these these Oscar ones, I feel like, are typically a little trickier than some of the other ones, but we'll they see are, where we end up. Surprisingly, yeah. <laughs> All right. Who was the first African-American woman to win the Academy Award for Best Actress? Um... I think it's Angela Bassett. Halle Berry. Oh, right. Halle Berry. Yeah. For uh, Monsters. Monster, I think. Right. Yeah. Um, Since 1973, what award is presented at the end of the ceremony? So they they give you a a hardball and then they pitch you a softball. Uh, usually the the last the last award. The last one is usually the best picture. Yes. So there we go. All right. So we're one for two. (laughs) <laughs> all right with which film did kate winslet win her first academy award for best actress titanic i believe the reader which i don't even know what that movie is <laughs> it was actually it's a it's a weinstein company movie that of course i it is. <laughs> that i worked on i actually edited a scene of that movie hey there how about that <laughs> I remember you working on uh, working with them for a time. I didn't realize that yeah. was what you were doing. Though. I was working on the dailies for that, and I cut up a couple of scenes in that movie. That and uh, All Good Things with Kirsten Dunst and Ryan Gosling. 
Nice. So you really should have known this one's what you're telling me then. I thought, it was like, <laughs> I thought for sure she had gotten from the Titanic. <laughs> sure. All right. Which film won the 2018 Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay? 2018. <laughs> oh, 2018? It's not Birdman, is it? It's Get Out. Oh, yeah. Okay. I think Birdman was 17. All right. Know. So we're not doing so hot here. We're this one is, for this four is, at this point. This is pretty horrible. This is yeah, not these really are hard. <laughs> uh, with which film did Tom Hanks win his first Academy Award for Best Picture? Philadelphia. Hey, there we go. All right. Two for five. Let's see if you can bring it in for a good uh, good half of the okay. uh, the questions. In what year was an award for best foreign language film introduced? <laughs> yeah, good luck. <laughs> Wait, what's the question? In what year was an award for best foreign language film introduced? I, I tell you what, pick a decade, and if you get the decade right, I'll give it to you. <laughs> I was going to say like the 1970s. 1957. <sighs> Oh, this was not wow. one of the better ones, but I, uh, <laughs> those Oscar questions are tough, man. You got to be like an Oscars expert, I think, to to get those ones. That's hard, man. Wow. <laughs> that was really hard. Holy moly. Yeah. So anyway, uh, well, better I'll luck re- next time. <laughs> I'll redeem myself next month because if we get Wayne's World, we'll do some comedy ones and I'll knock those out of the park. Yeah. I hope. I'll spend the month searching for my comedy box. I got to figure out what I did with it. <laughs> Sounds good. So to wrap the show up a little bit, if you'd like to chat with us, you can get to know us with the show. Follow us on our various social media platforms on Twitter and Facebook. You can follow us at box office 330 and on Instagram, it's box office T H I R T Y. And you can also go and email us at boxoffice30 at gmail.com. Is that right? Something like that. (laughs) (laughs) I think so. Nobody does. I I have it like connected, but nobody ever sends an email there. So I I just don't remember off the top of my head. That's fine. (laughs) If you want to email us, Pete's not going to check it, but you can send us an email. Honestly, like, you know, just like, like fun fact on like where our stuff falls out. Like Twitter is by far the most used. That's where we get like the most... Um, talk back and things like that. Yeah. Uh, again, outside of the Retro Network Slack, um, which actually I'll take a moment and just put a pin in, in our own self-promotion and just uh, promote the Retro Network a little bit. Um, guys, if you're listening to this and you're not already a member of the Retro Network, please go check it out. Please become a Patreon member. It supports all of the shows on the Retro Network, including ours. It's what keeps us on the air here. Um, And as a matter of fact, um, there's going to be some new content coming up, especially particular to their Patreon exclusive things from all the shows, uh, including us. We're we're talking about behind the scenes what that's going to look like right now. Um, But we're probably going to try and, you know, produce some extra little pieces for them here and there to to put on the exclusive channel. Um, So do keep a look out there. But the other wonderful thing is that there is a Retro Network Slack channel um, which you can join and uh, you can talk to the creators of all the shows on there. Um, there's some fun channels, uh, lots of uh, you know just great you know feedback, um, not only about the shows but just general chit-chat on all things retro and, and all things to do with the shows and things like that. Plenty of new stuff as well. I know there's been a lot of Cobra Kai talk on there as well lately. Um, so please do go check that out. Um, that's another great place to get a hold of us. Um, I've been talking with some of the folks, you know, on there. Um, it's a good spot. But 
again, uh, probably one of the easiest spots to get a hold of us seems to be Twitter because a lot of people um, do chat back on there. And I'm not personally the biggest Twitter person, but I make an exception for this show when people do pop on. I do try and pop on there and at least like posts, if not chat a little bit back. And I have to say, I was humbled and very appreciative, like I said, about the feedback we were getting on our last listener poll. So um, I really uh, enjoyed that. So if you guys think of anything in our show that you liked or disliked, feel free to let us know. It's, it's fun to just chat on there a little bit about it. Um, Instagram's probably the second most spot. And then Facebook is like, Everything gets sent there, but nobody really replies there. So <laughs> Facebook, Facebook is dead. You and I were talking about it the other day. Facebook's dead or dying, you know. So. And no, we're not creating a TikTok right now. Yeah, I'm please. not doing a TikTok. <laughs> That's, you know, like I, I am not old at heart, even though sometimes my body tells me that I am old, but I am not old at heart. But I don't get TikTok. <laughs> I, I, I I've tried. I've tried, but I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, I don't get it. I don't. Yeah, no, I can't do it. But anyway, <laughs> if you like any merch from our our lovely show, please check out our T Public store as well. You can get some hoodies, COVID prevented masks, <laughs> which uh, apparently you need again. Yes, just in here in Princeton, they just put a new uh, indoor mask mandate starting on Thursday again. So, oh, I mean, it's back <laughs> in, in in the city right now. If you aren't wearing a mask, even walking around outside, you get the stink eye from people all over the place. And I was like, I was on the phone today. Had to pull my mask down to take a sip out of my coffee, and somebody stared me down like I was <laughs> kicking a dog or something. And I was just like, I just was cold, and I wanted to sip my coffee. <laughs> it's cold. So, yes, we have all kinds of great merch. Uh, we are working on trying to get some stickers made up or something like that that we could try to send out to you guys if you're interested in that. Uh, we've been talking about that a little bit. I've been researching some places we can order that kind of stuff and listen you know check us out you can go to our website boxoffice30.com and check out any of our back episodes because we've got 30 we're at seven kind of as far as official full episodes go i think now we have like a couple like bonus things bonus that episode, are smaller yeah. um, but i think we're at 38 now and also like if you guys have any thoughts about things we can add to the show that you might be interested in, please let us know on our social media platforms what you think would be kind of cool elements you want us to try to shoehorn into the show somehow. Um, anything, we would love to get you guys feedback because Pete and I love talking about movies and love talking to each other. We've been doing it for 20 some odd years now <laughs> and we'd love to hear what you guys think and what we can do. That would be really cool. And as one last little ask, if you do like this show, please head on over to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you download your podcasts and give us a little star rating. Maybe a five star rating would be good unless they give you a chance for 10 stars. Then do 10 stars. Uh, <laughs> and, if you, and if you like that I complain and, and that things – Give me Ajita <laughs> that we have to watch certain things. Throw that. In the, like, this one guy loves to complain. I love to hear it. It's so fun. So please, don't hesitate. Awesome. All right, well, that's going to do it for us this time, folks. We thank you so much for listening and for voting, and we will see you next time in two weeks for our review of Father of the Bride.
Bye, everybody. of the Retro Network.